2: Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. On this episode, we are really excited. We have Molly Bonner. He's a vocal director and now filmmaker, whose first feature film, Green Flake, chronicles the life of a black Mormon pioneer who literally paved the way for 70,000 members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to journey west where they settled in what is now, what was then the Utah Territory, which is now the state of Utah. And Molly, uh, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. So we are very
0: uh, <laughs> excited. See, I was raised LDS, so this is actually really interesting. Yeah. So we have more. <clears throat> Jason and I will come at this from a little different, different angle. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, first of all, t- tell me a little about yourself. Uh, you you are a vocal coach, so you do a lot of things, actually. You got a multi talented thing going here.
1: Well, listen, uh, I, my my thing is developing pop artists. That's, that's what I've been doing for like 18 years in LA. So, p- kids you hear on the radio, the Ariana Grande, Camila Cabello, Kesha. Prince Royce so those are mm-hmm. artists I develop and prepare them for their
2: tours or their recordings. Okay. So I mean okay, then the other thing is you are LDS. Yes.
0: How, Talk you to born? me about that. Did you, were you raised LDS? Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. So my parents, uh they were serving a Baptist mission in West Liberia and in Liberia. So uh they basically finished their Baptist mission, they came west, or at least that's what they felt. They prayed, we gotta go west, so they left the mission, went to Las Vegas. We're down to their last few bucks. A couple of missionaries showed up and we're like, hey, you guys need help? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. And then that was kind of the introduction to the church. And I was just, I was in my mom's belly at the time. So I've been a member my whole life. They converted the same year I was born.
2: Uh, uh, you converted Las Vegas, in the, by the way. Converted
0: in the womb. Exactly. <laughs>
2: uh, Las Vegas is a Mormon settlement. Everybody should know that. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I found that out it later was. on in history. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So how old are you, Molly? I'm 39. Okay. okay. And so- You, you, he's African American, so this this jump from being, you know, traditional Baptist uh, is kind of big among the blacks. Yes, uh, as I would. (laughs) Then, (laughs) kind of to to go to a more a different kind of. uh,
0: a different kind of Christianity. It's it's Christianity, right? So
2: how how does that
0: affect you? It's a less effusive type of Christianity. Would you you get me on that? (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay,
1: well, well, my mom, you know, she grew up singing in the the gospel choir growing up and whatever else. So even though her and my dad believed in the church and believed like, oh, this is Christ's church. We need to be baptized. My mom still said, but I got to go get Jesus. And so we would do both. Mm -hmm. So we would go to, we'd sing in the gospel choir and we go to church. Because my mom still was ingrained in her culture. Yeah. And she brought that to us.
0: And there, and there is a Mormon culture. I know people debate this all the time, but I was raised LDS. My mom is LDS. And um, I have pione- uh, a pioneer ancestor I have Ooh, uh, researched. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, I actually spoke about her on a different podcast, uh, a woman. And um, I, so for me, your movie was, I, I loved it. Right. Uh, but first, I, my very first question is how did you hear about this story? Because you were not a filmmaker before this. Like, that wasn't your aspiration, right?
1: No, no, not. I never even thought of, dreamed of, you know, never even. Uh, but it was in 2018. Uh, my family, the Bonner family, was asked to sing at the B1 celebration, where it was commemorating the 40th anniversary to the priesthood ban being lifted. Right, so black So re- basically, re- black folks getting the priesthood again. Yeah, was well, basically what that. What, and, what that. And was. you
0: say again. So I had this experience as a 10 year old kid in the church, where I'm watching General Conference, and a, a black man gets up and starts playing piano and singing, basically gospel music, thanking Jesus for the opportunity to have the priesthood. And I turned to my mom and said. Help me. What do you mean he can't? He, he's just getting the priesthood now. He's like, oh, you know, he's an old man. And she said, well, you know, blacks couldn't hold the priesthood. And I was like, wait, hold on. Time out. What What is this? I did not know that until I was 10. Yes. And it is a point of contention for a lot of LDS people that um, they had this. And it was a not a drop policy. So if you had any black ancestry, you could not be a member of the church. And yeah. I, this was an absolute... It was a really difficult thing for me as a kid. I wrote the Prophet of the Church. He was Spencer W. Kimball at the time, repeatedly about this. And I was that's one one of the aspects of your film that I loved. Right. There was another gentleman who did the same thing, and I was yes. like, see, it is, it should bother you so much. Your your petition in the Prophet for a change, but it is a really difficult thing for people in the church and out of the, and people who've left the church to even discuss, because there are a lot of people who say. Why would you want to be in a church if you couldn't be a full fledged member, right? Because yes. you are not a, a black man cannot be hold the priesthood. Now, let's just say only men can hold the priesthood, right? Um, women can have.
2: So there is yeah. uh, misogyny and uh, you know racism involved in it.
0: Yeah. So, but I mean, that's that's that, that's what it looks like, right, from <laughs> yes. the outside. Yes. So you've dealt with this, as, yes. and whenever uh, white people meet a black Mormon, they're like, "Help me with this. How do you reconcile this?" And yes. I read an
2: article. Please explain your answer
0: because <laughs> well, it's great. Yeah, seriously. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, and I, I I don't know what my answer was then or what what I said. So do you tell me if what well, if, it's,
2: <laughs> it, it's go ahead? I'll tell you. If, if it's yeah. Okay. okay.
1: Sure. Uh, so, for me, it, it's it's not about the people, the policy, the anything. It's about Christ for me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, there's going to be things that come down the pipeline that I'm going to disagree with from here on the rest of my life guaranteed mm-hmm. um but i believe that this is christ restored gospel of jesus christ and regardless of peter denying him then mm-hmm. i'm still going to be christian
3: mm-hmm.
1: even though people have done and said things and and made adjustments to what christ set in place i'm not leaving because of john or mary i'm staying because of christ and that's, that's it that's not negotiable for me
2: you, uh, when I the thing I read in the article that yes. Lee Benson wrote a, a, a while back was you. Your analogy was uh, blacks in slavery, and being Americans. Yeah, and the idea is that I, I am an American, and America has a, a very checkered past, and in, in fact, its inception was with um, made me the <laughs> the antagonist and and my ancestors slaves. However, I am not leaving America. Right. Uh, I am. I, I still am a full fledged citizen. And for that.
0: And you still believe in the promise of America.
2: I believe in most of that, but I'm but i I'm also a pragma- pragmatist. <laughs> On good days. And I, rec- right. and I recognize that we still have a long way to go, yep. it's still my country. That, that made all the sense in the world to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm, I'm like her. I was one of those people who like, I, I don't get this whole thing with, with the blacks in the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. I do now. I will right. say,
0: Jason's asked me this. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's asked me this before. Like, why did you start reading black authors? This is Why? Right? Like, th- this is one of the reasons I had a teacher that recommended a book, but also I had this conflict in my heart about this church that my mom was a very faithful member of and loved very much. And, uh, and I, you know, as a little kid, I don't know that you know what you believe, but like it felt good to go to church and I, I enjoyed church. Um, but I also felt like this was a bad thing. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I, I've, I, I had trouble reconciling it and it wasn't something that people talked about. Right. It, like you didn't go to primary and learn about black pioneers. <laughs> right. So when you were
2: going through this, and, 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 you know, again, this is your church, how do you make that journey through? Because there's got to be a lot of – there's some conflict at least, and then when you meet other members of the church, how do they uh, receive you?
1: Uh, as a member, as a black as member a, of the church? Yes, exactly. Oh, well, it, it, it's uh, – the majority – Perfectly fine. Great. Fantastic. But of course, there's always those few, you know, and the problem, though, is without this history being uh, public knowledge and everybody knowing it, then you have people in leadership trying to fill in the holes. Mm -hmm. So it could be a teacher, a seminary teacher, a, a, a someone who's teaching a class to the youth who doesn't know the history of the church. And so because of that, he's filling in. Well, then why blacks couldn't? And this is why. Mm-hmm. And then they're teaching things that aren't doctrine, which so, I,
0: I will say happened in my lifetime in yes. the seventies. That there was a little, little freelance going on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it led to some serious problems. Mm-hmm. So, um but how did you hear about Green Flake? Because I, oh, you're going to make me wait. Well,
2: so we're going to have to come back <laughs> yes. because uh, I, this whole Green Flake thing. We're so excited!
0: We, really you can't, are, tell. we, I, we, we can't tell. I it we it love this movie. We love this story.
2: I still don't believe this is your first time making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it, it, he did such a good job that I, I'm, I'm just fascinated as to how somebody can learn to do this, and you did it in such a relatively expeditious amount of time. Wow. We are speaking today with uh, Molly Bonner. He is a first-time filmmaker, but generally speaking, he is a, a vocal director uh, in uh, Southern California, and he made a movie called Green Flake about black pioneers journeying west to Utah and there is a wonderful history to be learned from that. We'll continue our discussion when we come back. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
3: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds.
2: We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, speaking today with Molly Bonner, a vocal director and now filmmaker, whose film uh Greenflake chronicles Black pioneers and their role in the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints members. Uh, you know, we should say their the critical
0: cross. role, right? Yeah, that's critical the thing. Role. So I want to know how you find out about this guy.
1: Yes. So it was at the B One celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, What's B One? B One. It's it was the. Um, Celebrating the 40th anniversary for the priesthood ban being lifted from people with, uh, of African descent. And our family was asked to sing. We sang at it. They had uh, like little um, information on a few early black pioneers. And these are things that I didn't know. And so I'm sitting here like, oh, oh, there was So I was there were lear- black pioneers. So I'm, First I'm, of all, I'm learning this is just three there. years ago. I knew nothing three years ago. And as I was learning these things, I realized like, I, I became instantly embarrassed. Like, here I am, black in the church, and I don't know any of this. If somebody asked me, if you asked me, so why, so black something, something church, I'd be like, I, I don't know. That's embarrassing. And I was like, I need to take the time to learn, find out, know. Because uh, as I was learning those things, it just changed me, like instantaneous changed me. So I just dove in, started meeting with historians and they were so generous with their time. And I was just reading and writing and sending me books and then my list of questions and they'd sit with me and go through all my questions. So it was awesome.
2: How long was this period that you did that research and, and got that knowledge?
1: Okay, so I really I don't know how. This film happened, to be honest. I feel like <laughs> I, I'm honestly, I feel like I I'm you're from, saying
0: three years and I feel like a complete failure. In well,
1: life. well, here's the thing. OK, so in June was the B1 celebration in July. I began meeting with historians.
2: This is uh, eight, 2018,
1: 2018. In August, I began writing. So as I was reading, I was writing songs. And I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And so I would write songs. So I wrote the soundtrack before the film.
0: Okay, that and, makes sense on the music, because mm-hmm. the music is so unique. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah,
1: And so I wrote the soundtrack, and then through August to September, I wrote the script. So September, I was like, I didn't write the script to, to write a script. I just had 200 pages of things I was writing.
2: And so you I, didn't even, as you were making these, uh, ger- I mean, chronicling this, you had no idea you were going to make a film?
1: No. I had no plan to. It was just to help me cope and and, and deal with the information. So I'm just sitting here sobbing, reading, learning these things. this is a
2: journal, essentially.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I was like, man, I I think this is a movie. And then I was like, this is a movie. And then right away, it was like, you have to make this movie, is what I felt like. Because you would think that me learning all this information and like, what? LDS members were enslaving other LDS members? That's the way I saw it. You know? Like... Church members enslaving other church members? What?
0: But that is, would, yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. And you
1: would think that it would rock my belief system
0: mm-hmm.
1: or be like, oh, I'm done. I'm out. But it didn't. For whatever reason, learning of these things strengthened me.
0: Baptists own Baptists. Right. You know? Right. I mean, if we want to be real. Yes, every, it, they, they, the, but did
2: black Baptists own black Baptists? That's, there's a bit of a difference, there. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Were there black slave owners in the church?
2: Uh, oh, not in the church. No. No. Okay. No. Oh, no, right. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying, but it's I don't. I don't oh, you're to... saying
0: black Baptists are different than white Baptists? No, I'm
2: saying they're all this. Oh. I mean, they're kind of the same. I'm but... just
0: saying that I think um, people seek religion regardless of the circumstance they're in. They seek yeah. answers from God, yeah. and I think that's the thing that's um, universally misunderstood. Yes. When you look at this through the lens of like a secular like. Why, not understanding why you would want to be in an organization that just, it, you know that didn't give you the same sort of uh, rights. rights and privileges, yes, right? Yes, But yes. you know, your analogy is great about America because you know, look at us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So w- yeah.
2: As you're writing, as you when you determine, oh, this is a film. You you don't have any experience. How did you decide that you were going to be the person to make this film?
1: I just decided. I just decided. You know, it, it literally was as simple as. Oh, this is a movie. Okay, I'm going to make this movie. And I got to make it fast because if people learn this information, if you heard all this information in a different way than you heard it, than you saw it in the film, Mm -hmm. you would feel very differently about everything that you learned. And I just wanted people to have the same opportunity to feel the feels that I did as I was learning rather than just one Google line from somebody Mm -hmm. as they looked up whatever. And so three months later, we were shooting the film three months later. So we were going fast. And because I didn't know, because I'm, I wasn't a filmmaker, director, producer, no, what? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what the limitations were. So, I, I, to, so to me, in three months shooting, that makes sense. Even though other filmmakers are like, okay, listen, they'd laugh. Like, that's not the way it works. And I'm like, listen, I'm not asking you if it's possible. I'm just asking you if you're going to be in or not. So, so not knowing what I was doing was the best part of this whole experience.
2: How were you able to raise the money to actually do it?
1: Friends and family. Friends and family. They
2: bought into that idea?
1: They bought into me. Yeah. My man. Yeah. So that, and so that, I I really appreciate them. And literally they said that, you know, it's. But were you talking
0: to your family and saying, hey, did you know there were black pioneers? No. So as (laughs) as I was,
1: as I was learning things, I was letting them know. Some of them knew more than I did, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, the, 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 the the little money that we got to make this film, because most people who are involved in the film that you saw were doing it without expecting to be paid anything. As I called them, I was like, this is what happened, and here's the script. Just check it out. Alex, read it. Just mm-hmm. read it. You know, mm-hmm. Casey, will you read it and then just tell me if you're in? And literally everybody, every single person I called was like, I'm in. You tell me when and where. I'm in.
2: About how much did it cost you to make this film?
1: It cost me about, oh, I can't say it. Oh. Yeah, darn it.
2: Was it more or less than six figures?
1: It was more. Okay. Yeah.
2: So it costs a little money, but you still are not a filmmaker. So when it came down to the nitty gritty and you're ready to do this, how do you, and, and again, folks, any of I have seen this, there is no way this was his first film. If you watch it, if if nobody told you, you would never have believed no. that this is his first effort. I I, I kid you not. It, it, was, it was spectacular the way you did this. Wow. Because it felt like any movie I've ever seen. Wow. Seriously. So when, when, you, when you're doing that and you're going through this creative process, how do you uh, summon the, the, the creativity to be a director, to be the person telling folks where to go, to develop the scenes and then go to the locations? How do you figure all of that out?
1: Oh, you know what's so funny? It's prior to filming. Up, up until the day before I was filming, I guess I was quote unquote producing. Getting the people together, getting the location. Here's the budget. Booking the hotels. <laughs> so send you, me your info.
0: You're doing the work. You just don't know yeah, the labor. Yeah,
1: until the night before, and I was like, I was about to go to bed, and I, it was late. It was like two a.m. And I was like, had to be at set at six a.m. And I'm like, whew, I'm like, wait a second. I'm the director. It just dawned on me that the next day I was going to have to direct the film. I knew nothing. I hadn't thought about it. So I was on YouTube, how to direct. How, when to say action? What when to we say do before too When, when to say action? When to say cut? Literally the night before, so we get to set, and they're doing the thing, rolling, rolling, something, sound, something, something, marker, and I'm just sitting there waiting, and it's quiet, fifteen seconds, thirty seconds, and then first AD comes over, text me, "It's on you, sir." I'm like, oh, "Okay, cut. This is not going to work." Okay, so you say action, I'll say stop. And so I had to make it to where it was the way I wanted it to roll because I don't know the verbiage, the language, you know, whatever else. But what I do know is directing people.
0: Story. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the story. Yes.
2: So we're going to come back and I want to, I want to have you give me a little bit more of this, this process and, and, and the filmmaking and then explain a little bit about the story as much as you can without giving it too much away. Well, I
0: want to know why you focused on Green Flake. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and, and, and Green Flake because he was an amazing character. And I
0: need to uh, know if he's related to Jeff Flake's family.
2: It, he has to be. I was just gonna. That's the first thing I thought of. We'll talk about that and more when we come back with Molly so Bonner. Many things. <laughs> There's just so many questions. We have. Uh, she's Amy. I'm Jason. This is Voices of Reason. Back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson. We're speaking today with Molly Bonner, who is a vocal director by trade. Uh, he teaches people how to sing and, and become artists uh, in the music business. But on a whim, after a, a, a history lesson that, in, in some ways, changed your life, yeah, the way you think about your faith and and learning that history, inspired him to make a film about a gentleman whose name was Green Flake. Seriously, it's G-R-E-E-N, last name Flake. And Amy and I have been wondering if, <laughs> if he was related to
1: the Flakes of Arizona. But it's, yes,
0: I now am going to make that a mission to find out if he's related. That's
2: right.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't to doubt
0: the, it. To the, his last name comes from the guy who owned him. which mm-hmm. is
2: generally That's how we yeah. would come up with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you were explaining to us that you you, jumped, you dive into the process of making the film. Yes. and you But you By weren't sure it. how to be a director, right? <laughs> right. Now, what's interesting to me is you. it, it seems like you found people who – had some experience in the filmmaking process that helped you along. Is is that fair to say? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Like, you know, I I can't sit here and say, well, I, when I visioned and I, no, there were people who were great at what they do and were empowered to do what they know how, you Mm -hmm. know? So, uh, yes, I did direct the film, but what a great cinematographer we had. My first AD was everything to me. He was teaching me along the way, you know, to where I could focus on. My actors and making sure that they gave me the story that was written, mm-hmm. and so it, it was a team effort from the beginning to the end, for sure.
0: So, why Green Flag story? You know, because obviously you're researching this and you're finding that there were a number of black pioneers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know what num- what the final number comes up to, but um, why did you focus on him?
1: Well, it, it's a spiritual thing, to be honest. Um, it wasn't about him. When I initially was writing, it was mm-hmm. about Elijah Abel, who's someone that more people know about. Yeah. And but, but tell us who
0: Elijah Abel is. So Elijah was, Abel.
1: Yeah. And- so he's he's the um, the character who was uh, wanted to talk about the priesthood, had the book and like had some things to say so in, in the, the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Elijah Abel was an early black pioneer, one of the first black pe- priesthood holders um, and, in and the he, church. One
0: of the first black members of the church and a confidant to Joseph Smith.
1: Yeah. corner of the 70s. So he was a just he was used widely from joseph smith sending him on multiple missions doing some difficult things baptizing some prominent white men you know so this is elijah abel so there's a lot more written on him than green And flake. he had the priesthood and he had the priesthood right mm-hmm. and so it wasn't until one night i just i mean i don't even tell the story because if you're not spiritual it's kind of like okay but i felt the presence of green flake and i was like green flake and I remember reading the name in one of the one of the things I was reading, one of the journals. But uh, that was not who the film was about. But over time, it was very clear that my focus needed to be Green Flake. So I just switched. And this is after a hundred and something pages on Elijah Abel, Room, up in the air, and it switched to Green Flake. And so, it, yeah.
2: So okay, so you switched to Green Flake because why?
1: Because I felt his his presence and Brigham Young, I was like, there's a connection between them, and I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the history. I didn't know that at mm-hmm. the time that Brigham Young was going to become ill at winter quarters and send Green Flake to lead the trek on, and and then that Brigham Young would be the one who was orchestrating the emancipation of Green Flake and his family right before Utah became a slave state. I, I didn't know these things at the time, but I just knew this is about Brigham Young and Green Flake. Okay, so let's let's find so what we can find. I'm
0: gonna interrupt you to say yes. I just loved so as an as a f I don't practice. But yes. you know, I have affection for my being raised LDS. I think yes. it gave me a wonderful foundation for a very I I am a very spiritual person and I just uh cherish my time in the church. And my mom is still very active LDS and we talk about god and religion almost every day yes so uh, in fact i told her about, <laughs> about your film this morning and she's like how can i watch it <laughs> um but, but because i think there is among some members a real thirst for a more accurate and inclusive um history of the church so i'm watching it and you know I, my expectations were low when he told me this was your first film and i had the same reaction he did was like he had help. There's no way. This dude cheated. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> See, I, it, it makes
2: no sense to me because this is first film.
0: Starting with the musical score that you are hit with right out of the gate, right? It's a real gut punch. I mm. loved so many aspects of it, including the focus on family, which is an LDS, sort of the foundational principle of the LDS church is this idea that family is at the core of your salvation. And I love that aspect of it, but I, I thought what you did and it, it, that so well was I didn't know if you were Mormon, if you were active, how you felt about these people. I felt like it was a very – as a journalist, I appreciated this sort of very fair but emotional – I was a connected emotionally to these people, but I was not – I did not feel judgmental about their decisions, right? I
1: really appreciate you saying that because I, I just wanted to – to bring to the attention the human beings behind the story and allow people to have their own experience as they're watching, their own thoughts and feelings and whatever. Let them go. Each person should be able to go where they want to go during the film, but at least what they will feel is the human beings behind these stories and how relevant their story is to them, even though you, you, all of us were never enslaved, but we felt so connected to them yeah. in that film, and that's what I wanted.
2: So when we look at this, uh, Greenflake, to me, I mean, obviously he's the... Uh, the protagonist and he, yes. he's this heroic character, and you have to have been heroic to do what they did. I mean, all of them, right? Yeah. They, no, they, I think he, that is the thing. Yeah. Territory across mountains and just horrific weather, and, and it was just you, you love let, that part <laughs> without about the story, winter clothing, without any of that. Yes, yeah. and he did it twice. So I I wanted to get a sense of how did you choose your brother to do this. He was great, by the way. Thank oh, you. Oh, is your brother
0: Flake Rainflake? Yes, See, that's, that's my, my little brother, know. yes. Your little, <laughs> little
2: brother. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. When I first saw that character, I'm like, where did he find this guy? Because if, 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 if Greenflake was anything like that, he, I mean, he just, there's just powerful. He's a mountain of a he's man. He's a mountain yeah. of a guy whose strength, but he's still gentle, yet he's tough as nails. Yep. I mean, how, how did you develop that character?
1: I mean... <laughs> So the 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 bits that I've read and they're just bits, you know. And then my brother, we grew up fighting every day. I'm four years you older lost than my brother.
2: Huh?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I have him by four years. Yeah. So I so it grew took up, a while. Yes. Okay. It's but he just would never quit. He was always coming at me, never quitting, never. Every day we fought, and I just knew that he was green flake and he had a little bit of experience acting. You know, he had never done a film or, or any of that, you know, but he's an incredible public speaker. Like I know he's comfortable with camera and being able to Remember do whatever. name? Uh, Yahosh. Okay. Yahosh. And so, you know, was first, that his
0: voice that narrates him?
1: Um, that was okay. his, yeah, yeah, yeah it was his okay. voice. And so, You know, for example, there was just things that I knew that I needed to do that I couldn't ask an actor to do. Fall down the side of this mountain. I can't ask anybody to wear these rags for about three hours. Your fingers are frozen. Okay. uh, You know, like I, I can't ask that for an actor, you know. And then the fight scene with him and I, I wanted it to be a real fight scene. And so literally, we went down the basement. He brought his boy over. We're like, okay, punch, punch, dodge, cool. And then after that is free game. And whoever wins, wins was our deal. And so that we could really just... And, the, fi- and the
0: fight scene w- w- made me sick. And that actually was where I thought, oh, do I want to watch this? Because mm. I will say I felt this way when I watched 12 Years a Slave. Yes.
1: Yeah. I I didn't,
0: you know, I. it's hard, but I also feel like I don't want people to be reduced to their circumstance. Yes. And I think one of the things you did so beautifully was to say people are not what's happening to them. Right. And, the, and you have some beautiful lines in there that, that illustrate that. But I think more so was how they... Talk to each other, how they treated each other, how they behaved under pretty crappy circumstances at times. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, um, it made it so a person like me could, uh, because it's hard and I bet it's emotional to know those. Like I know how I feel about my pioneer ancestors and what they went through and the sacrifices. And I said the other day on this other podcast, you know, you think about the faith that it took for them to do that. And I don't have that faith. I would have been like, I'm out. Right. I don't want to give you my property. My grandmother, my four times great grandmother had to give up her property. She didn't. Her husband died. She lost a kid along the trail. I mean, those you had to be thinking at some point like the, the you know, of those stories of that sacrifice.
2: When we come back, I want to have you address that. <laughs> I, I, I knew I, I would do it. I see? would try to have her look <laughs> over at me, but she would not here. And then I want to ask you a little bit about how... True, do you believe you were to the story and -hmm. and, and get a sense of that? We're speaking today with Molly Bonner. He is a filmmaker and a vocal director generally, but he made this great film about uh, Green Flake, who led a a journey of 70,000 members of the church across the West and settled what is now Utah. And he was an African-American person who at least in the film, was larger than life, but at the very least, he was one of the strongest and most courageous people uh, probably ever in the church. We'll have that discussion when we come back. You're listening to Voices of Reason. with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson speaking today with Molly Bonner, a vocal director and first-time filmmaker whose film Greenflake is a chronicle of black Mormon pioneers helping lead the journey for members of the uh, LDS Church across the West under just un- incredible conditions. You always know that the people who moved West at the time when there was literally nothing out here, that they they sacrificed so much many of them didn't make didn't uh, as as you point out in your film um they didn't all make it and and in in this case I don't want to give away the part of this but these were slaves helping people who in their owners in in a lot of this case and uh I know Greenflake had this relationship with uh Brigham Young there's a couple of things here that I wanted to ask you about one is how much of this do you feel like is is there this romanticism with how these characters were developed? Because I had always understood that um, Brigham Young, you know, as much as he is a, a huge figure in the church, he had his flaws. And I, I wanted to know your thoughts on that and, and, and how you were able to incorporate his character into the film.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's so tricky because for me. Uh, This film is a little bit different than most where in in a typical film, you'll have a couple of characters and you follow their story the whole way. But we introduce so many different people into the film. And uh, with Brigham Young and Green Flake specifically, I address their relationship. Mm -hmm. And so in the film, uh, when you when when those of you who go on GreenFlakeMovie.com, you get your ticket, you see the film. You'll see that there's a unique depiction of Brigham Young and that relationship to Green Flake. And it's not, what I don't do is address all the stuff that we can Google and read about mm-hmm. Brigham Young. That we can find. Mm-hmm. But that unique connection, we don't know about. And so I just wanted to um, deal with that within the film.
0: Is the recording of him speaking on no. Pioneer Day, That's not real? No. Oh, darn. I know, I know, I right? I know. I yeah. know. So how much of it is, like, from, how do you know what he said or how he felt?
1: Yeah. So we do have... Uh, an account of what he did say on Pioneer Day, okay. uh, and and we do we, but that's like we have so little because enslaved members weren't able to give their story, and so uh, we just have little pieces of responses to know what their life was like. When Green Flake was asked, so James James Flake, who was uh, Green's enslaver. Uh Um, when he, when he was killed by a a mule kicking him in the face and then someone asked green, are you happy that he got, got it the way he gave it to you? And he said, I I would hate to imagine that he did. So then that just tells us the type of enslavement that green endured Mm -hmm. in his lifetime. So that little bit allows us to elaborate his life style Mm -hmm. as an enslaved African-American. So there's so little that we do have. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, so when you ask about creative liberties, we we have to create the conversations that yeah. we don't have, mm-hmm. but at least we know the temperature and the relationships that are created.
0: Did you know there was, that there oh. were, so there, you know, part of the story is that they are this forward trek where they are laying the groundwork for yes. the saints to follow them yes. to Utah. Um, but one of the men is in shackles. Yes. Uh, do you know that there were, so one one thing I think is historically accurate is that slaves, enslaved people who were brought to you know with their uh, families I guess mm-hmm. they didn't they were not well prepared and they were not well cared for um, because it was such a hard journey and it was so difficult to even take care of the of you know your family if you had slaved enslaved people you you didn't give them boots you didn't give them coats right it was, and so that was one of Greenflake's concerns was how do we make this journey um care for them as well because we know they're going to come from the South. We know they're going to be ill-prepared for this journey. And I thought that was a really profound thought.
1: Yeah. Well, well, what we do know is that, you know, there's census where you can see how many uh, enslaved people this family has at this year. And then you can see how many they have when they get to this point, you know, when they get to Utah. And if there's a number of 12 here and they get to Utah and there's nine and there's no death record, you know, then you have to do the math of— how they got free, you know, so there's little things like that throughout where you have to fill in the gaps. And, you know, what's, what, what's interesting about this film is that even though we're dealing with enslaved people, you see that there's different types of people. You know, when we talk about uh, Oscar is one of the enslaved people in the film and him wearing chains, do we know? I don't know. But what we don't say in the film is that Oscar was badly beaten by his enslavers for trying to run,
3: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and
1: so knowing that,
0: and we know that to be a fact,
1: right? That
0: that this happened to thousands, maybe more than that, yes. people, right? So, it, so, it, 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 so it's no, not a stretch. You're not like saying, you know, what I think would be a cool m- m- way to move this story forward. You took right. facts that you know about enslavement and that relationship, right. and then bits and pieces from these. The thing that I think is fascinating is I, I guess I wasn't aware of how many LDS families making that trek had, they owned, they owned people, they owned human beings. Well,
1: uh, this is chattel slavery in America. I mean, this, I is know, the sub, but... this, this is the South. If you can imagine, you know, yeah. they, Missouri sold, is the South. Yeah. they sold no everything except for their slave labor. And if anything, they invested into their slave labor, labor to make their way North. So they come here thinking that this is just the way life is for the church, those in the South. So if you can imagine what that contention was in the wards when you get there and you have these Quakers and these enslavers who are in the same ward in the same elders quorum, you know, yeah, so
0: deciding what the, the direction of their society is going to yeah, be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was, um, uh, I guess, really interesting. And I wondered your thoughts on um, were you worried at all about making people uncomfortable? I think Elijah Abel's statement summed this up for me. The, the, you don't have to like history. You have to know history. yeah um, And he says it a little different, and I'm not going to spoil it for people because mm. they need to hear that themselves. But I wondered your thoughts about making your fellow saints uncomfortable and also how good people were going to feel to hear this story, black or white or any other color. Yes. Because it is just a more complete history of that journey and yes. how it happened.
1: Yes. I wasn't sure. To be honest, I wasn't sure. I knew what I wanted I know, I I know that what my white brothers and sisters want, they want what I want. They just want the truth and all of it. Mm-hmm. We Like we all want the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I did not know how it would be received. And so after doing these few screenings that I've done, I realized that this is what people desperately wanted. And I'm so happy that I gave it all. And so for those who are thinking, oh, no, I don't want to go watch this slave movie where people are getting be- beaten and whatever, like. It's not what you think it is. Yeah. You just get to learn the stories of these human beings who were LDS and were enslaved and had to endure that. And if there's nothing else, we can draw strength from them.
0: And and also their faith. Like why did they Yeah. why did they stay in the church when they were free? Why can, did why did they?
1: Can you imagine? All you know is your family's being torn apart from each other. That's all you know. You only know your mother being torn from you, your brother being sent Across the country, knowing you'll never see them again. And then someone shows up and says, we have a church that can fix all of that. We can reunite your family after this life forever. Mm-hmm. That meant more to those enslaved pioneers than any saint. That was everything. So imagine they're not just trekking across country. They needed this church to, to, to survive because of that promise. Yeah. of family being reunited, they were not able to realize that promise. And that's why this monument needs to be built, because I realized there's nothing for them. After the film was done, I was going to celebrate, take a picture by a monument, and be like, hey, we did it. And then I was like, wait, there's nothing? And that that was the final piece of the puzzle for me, because I was rushing to get this film done. You know, we did shoot it quickly, and then I went back to being a dad and a husband for a little bit to remind my kids I'm alive. And then... Came back and finished the film, but I, I was thinking, I'm going to be rich. It's winning best film in L.A. and in London. In some, I'm about to make money until that monument. And then I realized what my purpose was. Every penny of profit is going towards building this monument that should have been done a long time ago. Right. And
2: it's yeah. Where do you want the monument to be built?
1: Well, I'll speak the way I speak. So I don't speak in uh, wants and hopes. I don't, know, I don't even understand that, to be honest. Okay. It's going to be on Temple Square. And it's going to be beautiful.
0: Well, I'd love it on Temple Square. I'd also love something at this is the place monument that also the, captured this. Yep. Yeah.
1: So, so I, I'd, I like ta- I'd, yeah. like Honestly, I'd like two. I'd like three. I haven't talked about it, but there's going to be two monuments and there's going to be in those two places. And I've been yeah. talking with both parties and doing screenings, working my way up in the church. And then this is the place. Everyone is excited about it. So you would think, well, why is not the church? Why didn't the church? And just imagine that maybe some of them are like us where they, didn't know. they weren't looking at that. They were but thinking, also
0: I think you, this epitomizes why we need diversity in art, why we need diversity everywhere, yes. because the stories you think of or that you're motivated or moved or the connection you have with, yes. with that, that is why we need diversity in this. In yes.
2: Media. Yes. So, uh, listen, we, we have to stop now, but I'm yes. say something. I, I, I cannot recommend this film enough. I am not a religious person. Uh, Every, Amy knows Everybody this, knows. Right? Everybody knows this. <laughs> it was so good. Wow! I congratulate you. You are obviously a very talented man, and. I'm
0: grateful this will not that, be your last film.
2: I, I'm thank grateful God. that I got a chance to watch it. And uh, Re- Rebecca Cressman, thank you for introducing us. Yes. Uh, this, this is
1: Greenflakemovie.com. So please go there. That's where you can get and your And you can screening. buy it? You can buy so it? So basically that's where you donate to the monument. Your okay. donation is your ticket to watch the film.
2: Perfect. Greenflakemovie.com. Molly Bonner, thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I, I'll i tell you, what. what's interesting to me is I watch it, but I actually may watch it
0: again. Mm,
2: <laughs>
1: you should.
0: We'll pay this time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at com or at vorjasonl at com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at Jason Lee 1. Our show's Twitter handle is at podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any place where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
1: Voices of Reason is a production of The Loud Mouth Project.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
2: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately...